Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of Makers Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. And I'm so grateful that, that we get to be together. I'm glad I get to be here for more than one week in a row. Now it's two weeks. I'm building some momentum again. I have been on so many different stages and platforms since March, but can I tell you, there's still not a place I'd rather be than right here at Makers Church. I love being here and being a part of what God's doing. Listen, if you're joining us online today, we're so honored that you're worshiping with us. We can't wait to share with you this morning as well. But church, I, I wanna preach something today um, that, that is simple. Uh, in fact, it's so simple, and you've heard it some, that you might easily want to just turn off the next few minutes. But I don't want you to. I want you to hear the voice of the Lord this morning because I think it's paramount to what God is doing and where God is leading us together. So the title of my message today is simply this, When We Pray. When We Pray. Somebody say, When We Pray. When We Pray. I, I want to talk this morning about when we pray pray, when we pray. Last week on our Mission Sunday, I, I shared prophetically uh, some, some things that I heard the Lord speak to me about Maker's Church and about the next five years of some things I believe God said we're going to see together. You guys remember me sharing that last week? If not, I'm gonna remind you today. But I, I heard the Lord so clearly about the next five years for Maker's Church and God said this to me, like, like literally, like I almost heard it audibly because it was so clear. The Lord said, be prepared for miraculous multiplication. Miraculous multiplication. How many of you guys know God will multiply? He doesn't just add, God will multiply. And I heard the Lord say, be ready for miraculous multiplication. Over the next five years, we're stepping into miraculous multiplication. And I just want to prophetically declare it again today. Can I just remind you that harvest is coming to Maker's Church? There is a harvest, listen, a multi-ethnic, multi-generational harvest is coming to Maker's Church. God is going to open supernatural doors for buildings and properties. We're gonna plant churches in our region, in our nation, in other nations. We're gonna send sons and daughters to do the work of the, uh, the Lord and advance the kingdom. We're gonna raise up and equip apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. We're going to raise sons and daughters and people to go go into the spheres of societal influence and shine bright for the kingdom of God. Listen, we're gonna, I, I heard the Lord clearly on this one too. He said, get ready because there's going to come a time in the next five years that we're gonna not just start sowing hundreds of thousands, we're gonna start sowing millions into missions around the globe through this house in Jesus' name. Listen, Makers Church, God is stirring us up to understand we are stepping into a season of greater. God really is calling us to rise. If you believe that, somebody say amen. And I'm gonna tell you right now, if you believe that God can do that, if you're with me and believe that we can make disciples and make a difference on a local and global level, I'm going to tell you this, you've gotta continue to raise your faith. You gotta continue to raise your faith. It's, listen, it's not about the size of your faith, but it's about the strength of your faith. The strength of your faith to believe in what we have not seen yet. How many of you guys know Jesus said, blessed are those who you can believe that you haven't seen? I can believe even though I haven't seen it yet. Is anybody with me this morning? Come on. 
I can believe for greater even though I haven't seen it. I can believe, listen, it's August. We're definitively in the second half of 2023. I believe that we're not done rising this year, but God has another level for us to rise to before the year's over. If you believe that, somebody say amen. I believe God's doing that and God is stirring those things up in us to believe at greater measure. But I'm gonna tell you all those prophetic things that I heard the Lord to declare last week and share today, listen to me. For those things to happen, we must be a family and an army of prayer. This is where you can't let this sermon get dry. If you check out on me because I'm talking about prayer, you're missing what God is saying right now. We must be a family and an army of prayer. We must be a people and church of prayer. God is calling us to rise, but it cannot happen without intimacy with God. It cannot happen without us being intimate with the Father through prayer. If you believe that, somebody say amen. See, some of you, when I talk about these big things that I heard the Lord say, some of you might misunderstand what I'm saying. I am not asking God to make Maker's Church famous. I'm asking God to make Maker's Church fruitful. Come on, somebody. I'm not praying and asking God to make us famous. I'm asking God to make us fruitful. I'm not asking God to make Maker's Church popular and entertaining. I'm asking God to make Maker's Church powerful and effective for the kingdom of God in the earth. And I, listen, there, there are too many places that call themselves local churches. And if they closed their doors, the community and city wouldn't even know it happened. How many of you guys know that's not a good thing? If you're supposed to be the church of the living God, the body of Christ, that means people know who you are, not because you're famous, but because you're making a difference in the lives of those around you. So I don't want us to pray for us to be, to, for us, for us to, to be popular and entertaining. I don't care about that at all, but I do want us just to be powerful and effective for the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. I want us to be powerful and effective. And listen, supernatural power and effectiveness does not come from the promotion of man. But power comes from prayer. Power comes from prayer. Somebody say power comes from prayer. prayer. King Jesus, listen, King Jesus is not concerned about whether his church is popular or not. In fact, if you trace back to the original Acts church, they weren't popular at all. They were polarizing. They were never popular, but they were powerful and they were effective. And they shook nations for the kingdom of God. How did they do that? It's because they were people of prayer. Jesus today is not concerned on whether his bride is popular. But he is very much paying attention to make sure that his church is prayerful. He is very much committed to seeing his bride and his body be a people of prayer. Listen, Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, when he started driving those folks out of the temple that had made the house of God nothing but, but all about money and buying and selling. When he said, listen, he said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of what? 
prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And what's revelational about this today is that this house should not just be a house of prayer, but this house should be a house of prayer because we're vessels. Come on, somebody. This house right here, this campus should be a place of prayer, but this, this flesh, this sukkah that's not permanent, it should also host the presence of God. It should be a place of prayer that we say, just like this is a house of prayer, this is a house of prayer. My house is a house of prayer. I will be committed to bring a praying person on a consistent basis. Come on, if you believe that, somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on, we gotta be a prayerful people. Prayer must be the priority in the church and in every believer. Prayer must be the priority in every church and in every believer. And listen, when I say prayer, I don't mean thanking God before your meals. That's good, you should, because only because of the Lord that you're eating, come on. I don't just mean saying, saying that old prayer, Lord, lay me down to sleep right before you go to sleep, and I don't mean those. Those are good things. I think we can honor the Lord through all times of the day. But church, what I'm talking about is a kind of prayer. Listen, it's a prayer that builds relationship with God. It's a prayer that kills your flesh. It's a prayer that gives you the right perspective. It's a prayer that chases the devil out of situations. It's a prayer that increases your faith. It's a prayer that reminds you that you are victorious in every part of your life. It is a prayer that fills you up with power in Jesus' name. That's the kind of prayer I'm talking about. I'm grateful for sweet moments of prayer like I just talked about, but I'm grateful when we can get into the secret place and we can shut the door and the Father is there to meet us and we have true intimacy with him and there is power when the people of God pray. There is power when the people of God have intimacy with God. You see, when you get into the Gospels, you can see Jesus. How many of you guys know Jesus was like a prototype for us? He showed us how to live. He taught us what to do while we were on the earth. He is our example of how to live. And how many of you guys know he spent a lot of time in prayer? He spent a lot of time in prayer. He even prayed while he was dying on the cross. We don't even like to pray when we get a head cold. Can I get a witness from somebody? He was even praying while he was dying on the cross. Jesus made an impact in the earth for the kingdom because he had real intimacy with the Father. He had real relationship and intimacy with the Father. He made getting into the secret place with his Father of the utmost importance. Let me show you Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. And here it is, from where I get the title of my sermon. Go to it, Matthew chapter six, verses five and six. And when you pray, not if you pray, not when you feel like praying, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Look to your neighbor and say, don't be a hippo. Come on, tell them. <laughs> Stop laughing. For they, actually, I'm not used to you guys laughing at my jokes. Thank you, that was good. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. I'm going to remind you one more time. Other people always can't see the motive of your heart, but God can. 
So just like your words and your actions matter, your motives matter. But he says, they may do this to them. He says, surely, I say to you, they have their reward right then. That's not much of a reward. Because if I'm honest with you, we shouldn't really care. Like We shouldn't live our lives caring what people think. But when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father. Where is God already? Pray to your father who is where? In the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I, this is not in my notes, and, I've, and I actually have a good bit of content I need to get through today, but I'm gonna tell you this right now. Some of you guys no, no longer are hearing what God is saying because you're not getting into the secret place anymore. Do you know the secret place is where God reveals secrets? It's where God speaks all those things I share with you about what I heard the Lord say he wants to do in our church in the next five years. Listen, I wouldn't boldly proclaim those to you if those were just my thoughts or my hopes. Because those are big things. But because I spend time in the secret place, I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me clearly about those things. And so now I'll tell you about them and I'll put my name on them because the Lord said it to me to declare over this house. There's something special when the people of God get into the secret place because that's where God shares his secrets about his kingdom to his people. If you believe that, somebody say amen. But notice what Jesus said. He didn't say, if you pray. He said, when you pray. Jesus, this desire he had to be with the Father and to do the will of the Father, it brought such an impact in our world. Jesus prayed and he prayed a lot. Jesus was always going away to pray and spend time with God. He was devoted to prayer. He was devoted to prayer. He pri Listen, he prioritized prayer on the earth in his best moments and in his hardest moments. Look at Hebrews chapter five, verse seven. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. So there were times that Jesus, he'd have those prayer times. You know what I'm talking about? He'd have those tough prayer times. Why? Because it wasn't all peaches and cream for him either while he was on the earth. But he would do those things in the hardest moments and in the best moments he would pray. Jesus learned how to walk out Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. What's Philippians 4 verse 6 and 7 say? It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Do you want to know why so many people that say they're Christians don't have peace? Because where there is an absence of prayer, there is an absence of peace. But where there is an abundance of prayer, there is an abundance of peace that passes all understanding. Jesus modeled this for us. And let me ask you something. If he modeled it for us, was he modeling just so we could watch and say thank you? Or was he modeling so we could model what he was doing? So we can model what he was doing. Listen, Satan and his demons are relentless in their attack of trying to keep us from praying. 
Come on, how many of you guys know it's true? They are relentless in their attack of finding ways to keep us from praying. And unfortunately, Satan is more consistent in his attack on us to not pray than we are in our discipline to pray. Come on, that's strong, but it's true. He is more consistent in his attack to keep us from praying than we are in our consistency to be disciplined to pray regardless. So listen, what does that mean for us? That means if you have time to worry about it, you have time to pray about it. If you, listen, if you have time to daydream about it, you have time to pray about it. If you have time to complain about it, you have time to pray about it. If you have time to cry about it, you have time to pray about it. If you have time to think about it, you have time to pray about it. Because prayer does something that none of those things can do. Prayer strengthens your faith. Prayer reminds us that God is really in control. Prayer keeps us in a position of obedience to God and prayer gives us power to be the conquerors that God designed us to be. Prayer gives us that power to be the people that God has designed us to be. So what does this mean? This means that the secret place, the prayer closet, is not a forgotten place, but it is a prioritized place. That you make a fresh commitment to saying, I've got to pray and pray more. I love Charles Spurgeon, man. He taught, he just said some incredible things about prayer. One of the things he said there, he said, the greatest answer to prayer is more prayer. <laughs> greatest answer to prayer is more prayer. Billy Graham, how many of you guys know who Billy Graham is or was? Millions of people came to Christ under his ministry. Before he died, as he was retired in his home in Charlotte, North Carolina, the young leader went and said, what, what, what would you tell us as pastors and just other Christians? He's like, what would you tell, if you could go back and do anything, what would you do? He said, I'd preach less and I'd pray more. He said, I, I pray way more than I ever did. Why would he say that? Is it because he finally learned something in those elder years that prayer is even more important than we ever give it credit? Prayer does things that nothing else can do. Stop acting like prayer is your last resort. Prayer's got to be your first response. Prayer's got to be, come on, somebody say prayer must be a priority. Prayer must be a priority. Prayer must be a priority, Maker's Church. Listen to me, if we want to make a kingdom impact in our city, in our world, it will start and continue from a place of prayer. If you want to have the marriage and you want to have the family that God designed you to have, it will start and continue from intimacy with the Father through prayer. If you want to walk in your divine purpose and fulfill the assignment in the earth that God has for you, it will only happen when you make sure you're getting into the secret place on a consistent basis. Let me say it this way. If you want to walk in the fullness of what God has, the secret place cannot become a deserted place. It's got to be a place that you go to frequently. It's got to be a place that you visit on a consistent basis. If we want to rise the way God desires us to rise, we have got to prioritize intimacy with the Father. Why? Because Jesus said it. When we get into the secret place, the Father is waiting to meet us there. And there's never a time that you'll meet with God that you'll leave the same. You always leave better. You always leave better when you have an encounter with God.
So we as believers, we should not be scarce in prayer. We should be saturated in prayer. We should be saturated in prayer. Let's look at God's word about this particular principle of prayer. Colossians chapter four, verse two. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. If that were the only verse, that should be enough, shouldn't it? Guess not. For me, it would be. If that were the only verse, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. The Greek word, therefore, devote, literally means to do continually. It literally translates to give constant attention to. Devote yourselves to prayer. How about Ephesians 6.18? Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. The people of God need your prayers. Maker's church needs your prayers. The body of Christ in the earth need your prayers. And we've got to pray at all times. And notice, he said, pray in the spirit. So don't just pray in a language that you know. Pray in the Holy Spirit. There's a reason that you get a prayer language. There's a reason that you speak in the heavenly language when the Holy Spirit starts to speak because those prayers are even better than what you could pray. So don't just pray in English. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Did I lose you on that one? Paul said, I wish all of you did. There's a reason. Not only does it edify you personally, but when you pray in the spirit, the enemy does not know what you are saying. He cannot translate a heavenly language. And so when you pray in the spirit, you are praying. Uh, the Holy Spirit is praying through you for things that you may not even know you need to pray about. So you gotta pray in the spirit. If you believe that, somebody say Amen. So Ephesians 6, 18, pray in the spirit. Pray at all times in the spirit. How about 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Come on, pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Did you just see the will of God for your life? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. Pray without ceasing, pray on a consistent basis. How about Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and then be persistent in prayer. Everybody know what it means to be persistent? Be persistent in prayer, regardless of what it feels like or looks like, and you think the outcome's never gonna change, be persistent in prayer. Keep praying and praying and praying and believing and let your faith rise and say what Jeremiah 33, three says. It says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I know you're smart, I know you're intelligent, but you still don't know everything God has planned for your life. You still don't know the greater he fully has for you in this next season. The only way you find out is when you pray and you say, God, I'm ready to walk in greater. God, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna prepare to rise in the fullness of what you have for my life. If you believe that, somebody shout amen in this house. We've got to be willing to pray at that level. 
If you want to be a person that is rightly positioned for kingdom work, then you have to be a person of prayer. You've got to be a person of prayer. If you want to be a person that is rightly positioned to be a voice of influence, to be the reflection of Jesus in the world, then you have to be a person of prayer. Period. I hate to break it to you. Praise is not enough. The word is not enough. There's something about prayer that does what nothing else will do. You with me this morning? I love you with all my heart. God put, he stirred this inside of me so strongly because it cannot just be a small group or faction of people that pray consistently. The church at large must link arms and say, we are committed to praying at all times on every occasion in Jesus' name. We've got to be people of prayer. We've got to be positioned correctly to see God do everything he desires to do. We must continue to become an increase in being a body of prayer. Pastor, does prayer really work? How about James 5, 16? The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Prayer has got to be more important than your prosperity. Come on, somebody. I'm sick of that prosperity gospel that's eaten up so many believers in the West. Stop just praying for God to increase things. God will increase things, but stop acting like that's all God wants to do in and through your life. Spend time in prayer and say, God, prayer is more important than promotion. It's more important than popularity. It's more important than any possessions. God, I want to spend time in prayer because I want to be close to you. And I want to experience the fullness of who you are in and through my life. We've got to be people of prayer. Come on, say, somebody shout prayer. prayer. Got to be people of prayer. You know, I find it interesting when we get into the book of Acts and you see what God is doing through the church. Now, how many of you guys know we talked a little bit about this last week? The Acts church was an apostolic church. They were an apostolic church. Did you know that there came a time when the ministry got so big and so full that the apostles said, we've got to find other people to help do the work of the ministry? It's Acts chapter 6. Go read it. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 6, verse 4. I don't think I gave them this verse, but listen to it. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. This is, this is the apostles. They said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Why is this significant? Because I believe with my whole heart that there is an apostolic anointing and mantle on Maker's Church. So we must be people that give ourselves continually to prayer. We must be a church that give ourselves continually to a prayer and the ministry of the word. If you believe that, somebody say amen. We must give ourselves to these things in order to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish in the earth. And so listen, we need his guidance, we need his leading, we need his empowerment to live on earth as we have been created to live as conquerors. How many of you guys believe we were created to conquer? That you have been made to thrive. 
that you have been anointed to advance. Come on. That, that, that's the blessing on your life is being in part of the kingdom of God. And I wanna show you something. There's a story in the Old Testament that I want you to see this morning because listen, it greatly affected the people of God because of their lack of prayer. It greatly affected the people of God because of their lack of prayer. I'm going to Joshua chapter nine. Joshua chapter nine, and I gotta read 13 verses. I know that we're not supposed to read more than two verses at a time or you lose your attention span, but I believe you can do it in Jesus' name, okay? So Joshua chapter nine, we're gonna read verses three through, uh, did I say 16 or 13? I think I said 16. Okay, three through 16, are you ready? It's gonna be on the screen just to help you. Are you ready? Somebody shout yes if you're ready. Joshua nine, verses three through 16. When the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho, and I, how many of you guys know God had anointed them to advance? God, God, God made them to thrive. God said they were going to conquer every enemy to live in the fullness of the promise that he gave them. So when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, they resorted to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered saddlebags and old patched wineskins. They put on worn out patched sandals and ragged clothes. And the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. And when they arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, we have come from a distant land to ask you to make a peace treaty with us. And the Israelites replied to these uh, Hivites. They said, how do we know that you don't live nearby? For if you do, we cannot make a treaty with you. They replied, we are your servants, but who are you, Joshua demanded. Where do you come from? They answered, your servants have come from a very distant country. We have heard of the might of the Lord your God and of all he did in Egypt. We have also heard of what he did to the two Amorite kings of east of the Jordan River, King Sahan and Heshbon and King Og of Bashan, who lives in Ashtoreth. So our elders and all our people instructed us, take supplies for a long journey and go meet with the people of Israel and tell them, we are your servants, please make a treaty with us. This bread was hot from the ovens when we left our homes, but now as you can see, it is dry and moldy. These wineskins were new when we filled them, but now they are old and split open and our clothing and sandals are worn out from a very long journey. Here it is. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety. And the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding oath. Three days after making the treaty, they learned these people actually lived nearby. We can see something in this text, Makers Church. We find that the word about who God was and who his people were was spreading throughout Canaan. People were finding out that the Israelites had been created to conquer, that they had been anointed to advance. They were taking everything as their possession and moving forward. And guess what? The godless nations that inhabited those lands were getting nervous. They were getting nervous. But the people of Gibeon, recognizing that they were the Israel or the enemy of Israel and they were going to be destroyed, what did they do? They decided to stake it and take it a step further. They knew they couldn't defeat Israel, so they tried to deceive them instead. 
They knew they could not defeat Israel, so they tried to deceive them instead. How many of you guys know that's exactly what Satan tries to do to us? He cannot defeat us because Jesus has already won. And so since he can't defeat us, he tries to deceive us. Here's what Satan says. He says, if I can't take you, I'll just try to trick you. If I can't take you, I'll just try to trick you into something. I will try to deceive you. And listen, Satan knows that he cannot defeat us because of who our king is. He knows he cannot win because of the kingdom that we're a part of. He knows he's defeated when he sees the bloodline that is drawn around you. And so what does he say? He says, if I can't take you, then I'm going to try to trick you. I'm going to try to trick you. Deception is such a snare of the enemy. Why? Because when you get deceived, that's what leads to destruction. Why does Satan try to deceive us today? It's because he wants to see us destroyed. He does not want to see us advance the way we have been anointed to. He does not want to see us thrive the way God has designed us to. So he tries to come in and deceive us, hoping that deception leads to destruction. And can I tell you, some of you might be in a place right now where you're like, you know what, pastors, I think about this. There might be places I'm deceived in my life. Can I just encourage you for a minute that can remind you that if you will begin to pray and seek the Lord, you can see clearly the attacks of the enemy in your life. You're not, you don't have to be blind to it. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 11 says, we do not have to be ignorant of the devices of the enemy. If you believe that, somebody say Amen. Could it be, though, that that's why Jesus said in Matthew 26, 41, he said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Watch and what? Pray. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. And so if you believe that we can pray and God can do those things, that's wonderful. We do not have to be ignorant. But I want you to get back to the text with me just for a minute because the people of Gibeon, they tried to deceive Israel and convince them that they were from a far away land and nation and to make a peace treaty with them. They showed them old clothes and shoes, busted wineskins and moldy bread to convince them they had had a long journey. But when we go to verse 14, we we see the crux of everything because the Bible says that the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. They examined what they could see in the natural, but they didn't inquire of what God would tell them in the spirit. They only looked at what they saw. What does that mean? If they didn't consult the Lord, they didn't pray about it. How many things are you compromised with in your life because all you did was look at it and not pray about it? How many things have you made treaties with in your life that God said you've been anointed to conquer? How many things are you coexisting with or have cowered down to because rather than praying and asking for the revelation of the Holy Spirit, all you did is look at the facts and look through your earthly eyes? Oh, well, that must be true. I'm gonna do this. Listen to me. Enough with our wisdom and our opinion. We need the revelation of the Holy Spirit that only comes through prayer. We need the voice of God. We need the wisdom of God. We need the discernment of the spirit of God. And it only comes through time in the secret place. It only comes through time in the secret place. The Israelites were deceived 
because they made a decision in their own wisdom. They were anointed to conquer this nation and instead they made a covenant to coexist with them. I think part of the problem in the American church is that we've made covenants with things we were supposed to conquer. Come on, somebody. We made covenants with spirits of mammon. That's why you got preachers that money will make them talk or money will make them be quiet. We've made covenants with spirits of Jezebel to let things come in and rule where they should not rule. How many of you guys know in Revelation, Jesus said, I have this thing against you. He said, you've tolerated the spirit of Jezebel. We have tolerated things that we need to throw out of the body of Christ. Why? Because we didn't pray about it. We let our wisdom make the decision. We let our intuition, I've said it and I'll say it again, your gut is not God. Because sometimes your gut gets bacteria in it. Come on, somebody. I learned that the hard way in Honduras and Bolivia. Jesus, help me. I'm finally doing better. Thank you, Lord. Your gut is not God. Your wisdom is still foolish compared to the wisdom of God. And what we find in this text is that the people of Israel who God had anointed to possess everything in the promised land ended up making a covenant and a treaty with the very people that God said, conquer them. Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys know if Satan has anything that belongs to you, it's not because he defeated you, it's because you gave it to him. He's not strong enough to take it from you, but he's smart enough to deceive you when you don't pray. And the warning in this text is that you do not look at things without consulting the Lord first. Listen, too many people have made huge mistakes in their lives because they examined them, they examined them things in themselves and did not consult the Lord. I don't care if it's big, I don't care if it's little. Talk to the Lord about it. It could be the biggest decision of your life or it could be a very simple decision. Why not consult with the Lord before you make it? Why not invite him in before you do it? I hate to break it to you, but our timing is not perfect. God's timing is perfect. God's timing is, come on, I'm gonna say it again. God's timing is perfect. God knows the details of everything. And guess who doesn't? You. And by you, I mean we. But when we pray, when we get into the secret place, God will reveal secrets to us. God will share things that we need to know about our present and about our future, and God will absolutely give us the power to conquer. You cannot be more than a conqueror on your own. Go read Romans 8. We are more than conquerors through Christ. And if you want to see everything that God has said is yours, you better pray about it. You better get into the secret place and you better say, Lord, I'm done examining with my own wisdom.
but I'm ready to consult you on every matter. Well, pastor, does that mean that I should consult the Lord in my marriage? 100%. Pastor, should I consult the Lord about, about my children? Oh, you better consult the Lord about your children. Should I consult the Lord about my future and my calling and my career? Absolutely you should. Because what looks right to a man sometimes is not the right to it's not the way to life, it's the way to death. Don't just examine things. Take them to the Lord. Is everybody with me in this room? Listen to me. If you believe that we could step into a season of miraculous multiplication, it's not going to happen without prayer. It's not going to happen without Maker's Church saying, we will commit ourselves to praying and praying some more and praying some more. I will tell you where I am right now just as, as the pastor of this house. The Lord, I know the Lord is stirring in me to share opportunities for us to have times of prayer and intercession together more as a body. I don't have those details yet because the Lord hasn't revealed them. But I'm praying by the end of the month, he'll tell me and I'm gonna share them with you. And listen, if you're serious about rising the rest of this year, may I suggest praying about it. If you believe that God's called you here to be a part of what God is doing in and through this church for a season of miraculous multiplication, we're gonna have to pray, Makers Church. We're gonna have to intercede on a consistent basis. Pastor, I've never done that before. Then maybe this is your time to say yes. Maybe this is your time to say, I'm ready to pray like I've never prayed. Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Come talk to me. I can get you with our elders and other leaders, and we can teach you how to pray. We can teach you what it means to get into the secret place and spend time with the Father. But how many of you guys know it always starts with intimacy? It always starts with just being with your heavenly Father. Why? Because he's there to meet you and spend time with you in Jesus' name. If you believe that, somebody say Amen. Come on, I want you to stand up all over the room this morning. give you a guess on how we're going to end service today. If you didn't say prayer, you just lost 10 bucks, sorry. Got to give it to the offering on the way out. Listen, you know the best way to become a person of prayer? Practice. Practice. I've said many times before, practice does not mean perfect doesn't make perfect. I practiced football for a long time and I was never perfect. But you know what practice does mean? It means progress. And we need to spend time praying together. Now listen, when you go home today, why don't you take 30 seconds and just pray for a minute? Maybe tonight, tomorrow. Sometimes we're like, well, well, pastor, I don't know if I can pray because I feel like when, when you say we're supposed to pray, we're supposed to have like this 65-minute window guaranteed to, to do these things. No, you can work your way up to that. But if you've never really been a person of prayer, how about we take five minutes? Turn on some worship music and talk to the Lord. And I guarantee you, as you pray more, you'll pray more. 
it'll become easier and easier for you. But if you're in this room today and you're like, Pastor Derek, you're right, I, I really need to pray. I need to be more intentional. You can pray anywhere. And I will tell you this, if you look for the ideal moment to pray, it'll never show up. It'll never happen. There are, uh, how many of you guys know we don't live in idealism? Can't. Our world is not perfect. You have to make the commitment to pray. Well, Pastor, does that mean I should pray in the car on the way to work? 100% you should. Does that mean you should turn off the television and turn off your Netflix marathon five minutes earlier and pray? Yes, you should. Does that mean you should take time in the morning and maybe get up 15 minutes early and just spend time in prayer? Yes. But Pastor, why would I do that? Why would I get into the secret place? Because the Father is waiting on you there. He longs to meet with you. He longs to get in the secret place with you. So here's what I'm gonna do today. I want my prayer team to come quickly, my altar team. I'm gonna do two things today. If you're in this house today, if you're in this room today, and you have found yourself coexisting, cowering down, making treaties with things or spirits or people that you know that you weren't supposed to do that with, or you're in this room today and you maybe just have a need of any kind, can I tell you the best thing you could do is to pray about it and to let people that have been trained to, to pray with people, let them pray with you about it? How many of you guys know that we're better together? If you have any need today, here in just a second, I'm gonna ask you to come and we wanna pray with you. We don't wanna just wanna pray for you, we wanna pray with you. And so if you need prayer today, maybe you're here today and you need to get saved, you wanna give your lives to Jesus. Man, praise the Lord, that's the best decision you could ever make and it is so easy. Romans 10, 9, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that, Je that God raised Jesus from the dead and he is the Lord of your life and you can be saved. So easy, I invite you, if you're here today and you need Jesus, please don't leave without him. Your best life is in front of you with him. But if you need salvation, you need healing, you need God to intervene in some part of your life today, we wanna pray with you. But if you're not gonna come to the altar, I'm gonna do something crazy. I'm gonna ask you old school Pentecostal to make an altar at your seat and take a few minutes and pray. We've locked the back doors, you cannot leave. but that you're gonna, you're gonna either kneel or you're gonna find a way for the next few minutes and you're gonna talk to God and you're gonna make a commitment to say, God, I'm gonna be a person of prayer. I wanna step into miraculous multiplication. I wanna rise. I wanna see you do everything, God, that you said you would do. And today you're not gonna see, you're not just gonna sit here and believe it. You're gonna start to pray it in Jesus' name. Pastor, I don't know what to pray. Put Matthew chapter six up there really quick. Pastor, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what I'm gonna say when I pray. Jesus said, you know what? If you don't know, let me teach you. He said, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you don't know anything else to pray, pray that. God will meet you in the secret place even today.
because we must be people of prayer. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take a minute and I'm gonna pray. When I say amen, if you need prayer for anything, I want you to come today. And if you're not gonna come to the altar, I want you to make an altar right at your seat. And I want us to talk to God together. You ready? Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, God, for every heart that has received, Lord, the truth of your word and, Father, the power of what your spirit is saying. And, Lord, today I pray that we would make a fresh commitment, God, and we would make, God, the, the decision in our hearts to be people of prayer, to not make decisions without you, to stop examining things with our own senses, with our own wisdom and understanding, but consult you in everything we do. God, that we would take time and God be with you and say yes to getting into the secret place and being with you and prioritizing prayer. May that be the desire and may that be the action of our lives in Jesus' name.